0: Out of context, remark that brings the listeners into the faux world of James and Walt's platonic yet homo-romantic world in which they live together.
1: Bewildered? Yet, slightly curious response to set the scene for an extended monologue, continuing into a dialogue with some variation of the Commedia dell'arte clown structure.
0: Excited ravings indicating the low status clown role to be donned by Walt. Extending this further to prolong the monologue as if the James character were not even in the room. Pause for quiet thought to oneself to reflect the sporadic tendency of
1: these scenes. Final explosive statement! Witty remark, contradicting Walt's main point. Contrary point punchline <laughs> laughed, laughed, <laughs> laughed, laughter laughter fade into intro music
0: James you're starting to get really lazy with these skits man
1: yeah I didn't actually write anything for this one this is just the template for each episode
0: it's more or less the same <laughs> <laughs>
1: I'm so glad that the latent homo romanticism in our skits it's is been like. been called out now. In the template, it's, it's explicit. explicit. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you can't miss it. Uh-huh. Uh, welcome <laughs> to the Get Commanded podcast by the Greensboro Commander community. It's the GCP by the GCC and. POG, Palms Off Gaming, sponsor of this podcast. We're all uniting forces to help you to have better games of Commander.
1: I'm your host, Walt. And hello, Commander players. I'm your other host, James. And before we get to the transmission, I did just want to, again, shout out our Patreon, which is the best way that our listeners can support what we do and make our stuff better. And our Patreon's just had a bit of a lick of paint fresh coat. Yeah. Um, it's also got some kind of achievable, tangible stuff that Walt and I are looking at doing for this podcast, mm. which includes the possibility of vi- uh, video content. Yeah. If you um, scroll to the
0: bottom of the Patreon page, there's a bunch of the things that your money will help us to do that we're really excited to eventually get to. Yeah. And um, we're
1: going to be super transparent through the whole process. We want to grow with you, our listeners right now. Yep. So yeah, where where you're supporting us, we want to put the money where you want to see it.
0: Yeah. Uh, Definitely. Shout out to the new tier we've added to our patreon as Mm. well the uh supreme general tier where um, we will uh, reconstruct one of your decks for you. Yes,
1: this is going to be a big challenge for us. But yeah, but we're looking forward to it. We've we've already received lots of lots of messages um, about you know um, you know helping you build decks and stuff. And look, we get a lot of these messages, so it's hard for us to keep up with them. So if you want to guarantee that won't I reply to you, <laughs> this is the way. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Um, you can check us out at
0: Patreon.com/slash Uh Now we do have that green light blinking over there, James. So I let's think let's do it. We'd better get to it because we do have. an incoming transmission from the deep depths of the galaxy from the Space Commanders. It's time to get commanded
1: Commander is the most popular format of Magic the Gathering and subsequently pre-constructed Commander decks have become commonplace in local game stores. However, These decks are entry-level and often perform at a sub-par rate to most casual commander decks. Explain the process in which
0: one can improve a pre-constructed commander deck to ensure its player is on an even
1: battlefield with their playgroup. Alright, like deck building... Part point five episode, yeah, I
0: guess. I guess so. And I mean look, a lot of people upgrade pre-cons out there, but it seems like they want us to specifically give a guide to upgrading pre-cons. So this is kind of the the only upgrading pre-con guide you'll ever need, <laughs> really. Yes, exactly. Theoretically. Be, <laughs>
1: hopefully we'll try and make this relevant enough for all pre-cons. You know, I know that the March of the Machine Commander decks have just Come out and they're they look like, cool. they look really, really cool. Yeah. Um, I've done a little bit of research for this episode oh, already and, and you scrolled through, through some lists. In advance. Yeah, very cheeky, but one I of, appreciate it. One of us has got to do That's it. That's true, it's true. <laughs> well, I think right at the top of this episode, I want to make sure that the phrase upgraded pre con is discussed. Mm. because I've had a couple of instances recently at game stores where I've gone into Rule Zero conversations yep. and people have used, oh, this is an upgraded precon," Right. As their entire Rule Zero conversation. As
0: if that tells us... Almost anything about the power yes. level of the deck, right? Because, I mean, you, you could be in anything. You, they could be. It's like the the upgraded precon of Theseus, right? Like, how yeah. many, how many <laughs> cards can you swap out of a deck and still call it an upgraded precon? Well, yeah. 99.
1: How long is an upgraded precon? Yeah, exactly right. <laughs> well, I mean, like, this is the thing, exactly right. You could be like, oh, I put in a smothering tithe in this deck. And yes, that's upgrading that it's deck. It's a great for card, sure. definitely. But that's one card. Mm. And then you could look at another deck that has, like, uh the. the the commander is the same. Yeah. I completely <laughs> rebuilt this from top to bottom. Uh. Um, so I think, look, when you're having Rule Zero conversations with an upgraded pre-con, I think it's pretty easy to to kind of highlight how much you've upgraded them and Mm. step one is just showing the cards that you put in it yeah like take out like if you put 10 cards it won't take you long to flick through your deck to find all 10 cards that you've upgraded and just show those cards definitely
0: i think especially if you're someone who leans towards combos Mm. uh particularly infinite combos i think it's the kind of thing where you should be pulling out uh, any infinite combos you've added to the deck, like if they're if the commander especially goes infinite with a card you've added, like I know you own. Um Zaxara, which oh, was yes. a precon oh, commander. Yeah, te- totally. I think it was the alternate face. It was of the pre-con. ultimate one, yeah. Um, but you know, if you added freed from the real to that precon, that which goes, I did at one point, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that goes infinite with the commander of that deck. So yeah. you know, if you're upgrading your precon and you're adding an infinite combo, especially with the commander, yeah, um, definitely outline that in the, in the rule zero conversation because you will um, occasionally win out of nowhere.
1: Yeah, and I think it's just like a bit of a. We've referred to the term pub stomping before mm. on this podcast. I think it's a bit of a pub stompy type move to say, oh, I just haven't upgraded pre-con. And play with a bunch of new players that just have, like, an upgraded pre-con as well. But they've only upgraded a couple of cards. And they've only included some uncommons from a draft they recently did. Yeah. Like, it's very different for an experienced commander player saying I've upgraded a pre-con with my binder full of shock lands mm. and you know, all that kind of stuff. This
0: is probably also a good reminder to outline your level of experience in the rule zero conversation. Mm. It's something that I know some people do. And I've, considered adding it more to within my rule zero conversation because it makes a big difference you know I play a lot <laughs> yeah well yeah. and someone who plays a lot who upgrades a pre-con is probably going to upgrade it really well and hopefully by the end of this you will also be able to upgrade your pre-con really well but you know it, like you say if someone's brand new and they're just chucking some draft chaff in to replace a few cards they might even downgrade their pre-con like true don't want to call those people out <laughs> but by all means like outline okay oh, I've upgraded a few cards how long have you been playing commander for a year okay like I might get mm. an idea of how much all this upgraded. is my first
1: ever Commander deck. Yeah, yeah. that's going to be a big one too. Yeah. But look, I think like the, the term upgraded Precon is like going to be nebulous. So we'll just yep. leave it as nebulous. We've tried to define a bunch of terms like burst ramp and stuff like that <laughs> and, and it's like it's it's really hard to define these terms and make it like the same across all play groups so we'll leave it nebulous we're just going to advise you when you're having rule zero conversations to actually really you know look a little bit deeper into it be specific yeah i also wanted to say before we get into like the nitty-gritty of this episode the fact that this episode is specifically going to be fantastic for new players mm. upgrading precons is like building a deck with training wheels on yep you already have the deck there you're just learning how to tinker with it Um, but i also i mean you said it before like hopefully you'll be great at doing this as well but experienced players this is actually a pretty exciting thing and a topic to discuss because a lot of new pre-constructed commander decks feature the brand new mechanics from Mm. the recent sets coming out so for example like um toxic and incubate from the march of the machine um pre-cons that have just come out um, these are brand new mechanics that we've never seen before, yeah, and we won't know how they work until we actually fiddle with them and play with them. Mm. And you know, I think upgrading a precon for an experienced commanded player is like you know entering a new arena and seeing how you like it and kind of trying on a new pair of clothes, kind of thing. Definitely,
0: I think um, you know we've talked before about how people can sometimes get stuck in a bit of a rut of building the same sorts of decks again and again, Mm. and that can feel really repetitive and start to get a bit boring. Um, Pre-cons are a great way to shake it up, because you can find that brand new mechanic and go, oh, like, you know, I'm building this Incubate deck. I know it's probably going to play some Proliferate, so it might be a bit like my Plus One Counters deck, but it's also Artifacts and Phyrexians. So, you know, like, it's new deck-building challenges to tackle.
1: 100%. And so I think that, you know, before you turn off this episode of the podcast, Experience Players... Stick around. I think it might be worth your time. Definitely. All right. So should we get into the actual nitty gritty? Yep, let's of, do it. Okay. Well, look, step one of upgrading a pre-con is actually identifying the means of what you have and what you want to do with the precon. Mm. So this is a little bit of a callback to the first part of our three-part deck building episode. Yep. And in that, I made a, like, a bit of a profound statement where when you build a deck, upgrading a pre-con or building from scratch, you should always ask yourself why am I building this deck?
0: Mm, what's it for? What's my yeah. purpose here? What What am I aiming for? What do
1: I want to do with it? Yeah. All these subsequent questions that should kind of prompt you to just think about it a little bit deeper, mm-hmm. not do the typical mindless robot automaton, I'm going to build a deck, it's going to be powerful, produce the highest power yeah. one I can get. And there's a couple of like, supporting questions that you can do with Precon specifically, I think. Um, the couple that I'm thinking of specifically is how powerful do I want this deck to be? Mm. Um, especially if for a new player. Understanding power level is very challenging, but thinking about, like, oh, I want to upgrade this because I'm falling behind at my playgroup, that's what the Space Commander said, right?
0: Yeah, and and probably where you want to land as Mm. well when you finish your upgrading process. Like, you know, are you aiming to be just competitive with most, like middle-power, casual decks that you see at your local game store? Or are you part of a really quite competitive, not CDH, but, you know, quite powerful playgroup? Highly-tuned. Highly-tuned playgroup, and, you know, you want your deck to sit up there? Because if so, that's going to take a lot more work, and you're going to have to be very direct in, you know, yep. finding your lines and having, um, you know, redundancies for your lines of play and that kind of thing, which is a different experience to, oh, I just want to perform slightly better than I currently am.
1: And these are really important questions to start the process. Yeah. With.
0: Cause that'll decide how you're going to pick cards and cut cards and that yeah. kind of thing. Yeah.
1: One that you're going to like, I think is what's my budget.
0: Yeah. Um, so,
1: I mean, pre-cons in like in totality are generally quite budget friendly approaches because Absolutely. you get a hundred cards for way less than it would cost to buy them individually.
0: Yeah, I mean, the professor's reviews, Tularean Community College, when he reviews pre-cons, he often compares the value of the singles if you were to buy them today with the um, value of the, the, the actual cost price like retail of the pre yeah. yeah, and it's always cheaper and sometimes a lot cheaper. So, yeah, in terms of, you know, how to get the most bang for your buck if you're just after one very good deck, um, buying a pre-con for 50 bucks and then spending 50 bucks on upgrading it is going to get you very far along the path of having a really strong deck. Yeah,
1: and your, like, single price of your commander deck will come to a totality of more than 100. I yeah, can absolutely guarantee. it will, yeah. Um, and I think the last one is probably most relevant to, like, upgrading a pre-con is what do I like about this pre-constructed deck? What is it that I mm. want to keep? So if you've already chosen your pre-constructed deck, you've, you know, seen the, you know, whatever the name of the deck is, you've seen the face commander and you're like, oh, hell yeah, that's exactly what I want to do. Have a bit of a think. What is it specifically that you really like about this deck? And then mm. what, what does its end game look like? Is that what you like? Is it the interaction? Is it the the, you know, the removal side of things? Is it the solitaire 10 minute turn style Mm. play. What do you like about the deck?
0: I think this is the probably the best and the worst thing about pre-cons, and I'm sure we're gonna go into this later, is that they typically have a couple, if not three, strategies within them that they're trying to pull off. Um I say the best and the worst. It's great because it gives a new player a chance to try a bunch of different mechanics and see Mm -hmm. what they like. I say the worst because in general, as we've talked about in most of our Commander deck building guides, we want decks that have one main strategy and maybe one sub-theme. Yeah. As soon as you start adding, like, main themes and there being two or three of those, your deck starts to be diluted and you start to often do nothing, which is not what we want.
1: I'm so glad you mentioned this because, yeah, I looked at some of the March of the Machine pre-cons and we'll, we'll talk about this. Yeah, it's something <laughs> you
0: you got to keep in mind, definitely. But, yeah, equally, you know, when, when you find that mechanic that you like, you know, if you build the the deck and it, it has this this proliferate strategy like you're building the toxic one and it's all about proliferating and you love the idea of just slowly ticking those poison counters higher mm. for your opponents then that could, should be your strategy moving forwards and that's how you should approach upgrading your pre-con
1: 100 and even like this is again this is just the point where we're thinking about it like yeah. we're just trying to think deeply about it we're not trying to solve the deck yet we'll get to that but i think the next step once we've thought about it is actually to understand what we're working with. And there's a really easy way you can do this. Our friends at Moxfield have a really, really great account called Wizards of the Coast. It's not actually run by Wizards of the Coast. It's managed by the team at Moxfield. Really? Yeah, I looked at the description and it it's explicitly says this is not owned or managed or in partnership with da 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 da. But they upload every single Commander Precon to Moxfield ready for you to copy and paste. Straight into a new deck builder.
0: That's beautiful. I had no idea they were doing that. That's so helpful because, for those who don't know, if you're on someone else's deck on Moxfield, um, when you go to the options up the top, there's an option that just says duplicate. Yep. And it will just ask you come up with a name for your version of the deck, and then it creates a deck on your Moxfield account that is identical to that one, and then you can just tinker with that one.
1: And more importantly, uses your global tags as well, which is really cool. So yeah, we'll talk about this in a second. But I've actually included the link to the account of this in the show notes oh, for this great. episode. Oh so, great, it's
0: probably a good way to just browse pre-cons to be honest, if you just want to know what the yep. options are out there, just have a flick through that account. Yeah,
1: 100%, it was also really integral for me researching this episode I can imagine it <laughs> would be um, but I think once you've like got your deck and like you've duplicated it and copied it into your own thing mm-hmm. your global tags will transfer but they'll guarantee in the pre-cons for the commander decks be new cards mm. start tagging mm. them.
0: Yes, so for those who don't know, on Moxfield there is a feature where you can tag decks. You can use either deck tags or global tags as Mm -hmm. you're alluding to. Global tags will be the same across all your decks. So, you know, if you've got a Ristic Study and you tag it as Card Draw uh, as a global (coughs) tag, bless you. Thank you. Um, (laughs) That will be... Uh, in every single deck when you go to sort by tags it will say Ristic Study is card draw yep. and then you can use deck tags to tag them all I, I agree by the time you've made a few decks on Moxfield by the time you open a new deck you often have a bunch of global tags already assigned but you should still go through and assign you'll need probably a, like half the deck you'll need to assign new tags for
1: yeah and honestly a lot of people think this is going to take ages it really doesn't take too
0: long it doesn't take very long and the end result is you can really get a sense for how well a deck is doing something because if you were doing a pre conference like we were saying there's often two or three strategies there if you were using a deck specific tag like um, you ETB, know, for example. Yeah, ETB, yeah. and then Flicker, and then you were just tracking all of the, the the cards with Enter the Battlefield effects versus all the cards that exile your stuff and return it to the battlefield. That'll give you a really good sense for oh, actually, I've got like a million ways to Flicker stuff in my deck, and only five cards with Enter the Battlefield effects. Yeah, that's not the ratio I want here.
1: I yeah, I'm really glad you brought that up because I actually think that it, it's super important when we're talking about a theme and a sub theme. I don't think a lot of people understand what a main theme of a deck is. We've actually referenced this before. We generally say about 25 plus... Of the thing, the theme of your deck mm. should be in your deck for it to classify as a main theme. Yes. So I think,
0: if it's a tribal deck, you know, if my wizards deck plays. I think like thirty wizards. For yes. Instance, like
1: or thirty ways to make wizards. Yes. Like Casmina. Yes. What exactly a weird right. <laughs> a strange card and Goblin Wizardry, yes. which makes all <laughs> goblin, goblin wizards, wizards with prowess. That token is really cool though. It's great. I love the like red it's got blue.
0: like a, a goofy head yeah. as well. It's great. Um, but yes, yeah, you, you should have the support for your main theme. So yeah, like. If you're playing a wheels deck where your whole goal is to draw a million cards and for things to trigger when you draw a million cards, you should have like 25 bits of card draw
1: minimum, yeah, or 20 25 bits of card draw and wheel effects and things that trigger off drawing cards, yeah, maybe even
0: more by the time you factor both, yeah, those in. like exactly. 25 ways to draw cards and like 15 payoffs. That's like 40 cards in your deck well, right there. And
1: you've just used the word payoff. Do we? Re- this is a bit of a challenging bit because we talk about the themes and say 25 plus of the thing but I think there's a bit of a like a bit of a confusion around a payoff and an enabler or an enhancer mm. that we've referred to before. Yeah. Um I think that I would define it as like a payoff is something that progresses your game plan or rewards you Prefer, like doing the thing, performing the strategy of your deck.
0: Sure. So in a wheels deck, Psychosis Crawler says, whenever you draw a card, each opponent loses a life. Yes. Um. In a, in a wheels deck, that's your payoff, right? Like yes. Your strategy is to draw cards, but you're not really doing... Like drawing cards is great. We like doing that. But you're not doing anything to progress your game plan of winning the game yeah. until you're sort of dealing damage to people by doing it or having some sort of other payoff from the drawing of cards. Correct.
1: Or if you're doing a discard deck, like Glinthorn Buccaneer says, whenever you discard a card, ping one damage to everybody. Yes, that's like That's the, the payoff
0: for the discard, which is the strategy. Exactly.
1: Yeah. And I think then like an enabler or an enhancer, I think is something that like by definition, enables or enhances your ability to perform those actions. So, mm. for example, all those effects. It usually is something as well, especially when we talk about enhances, something that accelerates your game plan. Yeah. The key one that we've referred to before is like Panharmonicon in an ETB Flicker deck.
0: Yeah, so this is something that doubles the ETBs in, in mm. your deck. Uh, but it does not itself do any ETBs. So you need something, you need to have Panharmonicon and then something that ETBs before Panharmonicon does anything. And this is also why we advise you to have not too many of these sorts of cards.
1: Correct. Um, In a wheels
0: deck, as a similar sort of ex- example, um, uh, fairies. There's that enchantment for four? Puzzle box? No. Oh, that's a good one too. No, um, Tiferous to puzzle box is whack. There's a, a four matter enchantment. I'm blanking on what it's called. But it, it says whenever you draw a card, except the first one you draw on your draw step.
1: Ageless Insights.
0: Tiferous Ageless Insights. Yes. This says whenever you draw a card, except the first one you draw on your draw step, um, draw an additional card instead.
1: It, which is nuts. It's so good. It's really
0: really good. So if you're wheeling, you know, if you're casting a Wheel of Misfortune or something and discarding to draw seven, you're drawing 14 that's instead. That's incredible. So yeah, this is going to enhance all of the things that are happening in your deck already ready, but until you're drawing cards, Teferi's Age's Inside doesn't do anything. So, yeah. again, y- you want that these cards to form a part of your deck. They, they have a great... Place in your deck, but you don't want your deck to be all those things, and none of the things that are going to trigger your enhancement. One
1: hundred percent. Casting a Panharmonicon with an empty hand is the saddest thing you will ever do yeah, in it's your a, life. It's a terrible top deck. Yeah, which I think it's we've said it's ridiculous. Yeah. So I think that that should be at the front of your mind when you're looking after you've tagged your precon. Mm-hmm. You should be thinking about right what's this deck's theme what are its payoff what are its enablers what are its enhancers how many do i have of each yes and once you've got that i think the next thing that you should be looking at is the essentials Mm. like and we we refer to these as our essentials when we do our like um deck archetypes series yes we specifically call out a couple of categories that we have numbers to Mm. which is ramp card draw removal and protection yes so do we want to remind everyone what those numbers are
0: yeah absolutely (laughs) uh it's been a while since we've last referred to them but uh ramp we generally recommend about 10 as we talked about in the mana curve episode you can go lower than that if you build your curve a particular way if that's something Mm -hmm. you're interested in doing just go back to the mana curve episode i would say for sure but most decks should have about 10 bits of ramp uh ramp again is gonna be effects that give you more mana than you otherwise would have. So Sol Ring is ramp, ramp and growth is ramp. These are things that give you permanent access to more ramp, to yeah. more mana for future turns than you otherwise would have had. Correct.
1: And the next thing is card draw. Every single commander deck will want to draw cards because you want cards in your hand to be able to cast spells so you can play the game. Mm. So we recommend 10. This means that like most of the time you'll have a way to draw a card in your hand on your turn, so if you need to look for an answer or look for some specific line of play, you can do so. And again, this d- differs deck to deck. If, you're, mm. if your deck really wants to draw more cards because it's part of its strategy, you're gonna need more than 10 pieces of card draw. Or if your deck, like, has really efficient card draw in it, like a Rhystic Study or like a Commander that has really efficient card draw, mm. you can go down from 10 a little bit. You can. Bit. I, yeah.
0: I will say I've myself been leaning closer to the 15 mark as mm. a minimum for my card draw, and I've found it really, really good. So, um, definitely with card draw, better off going higher than lower, if you're not sure.
1: Always feels good to draw cards. Yes. Something else that always feels good is removing and interacting with your opponents. Now, mm-hmm. we just did an episode on the best removal. Yes. Yes. Um, um, so if you're interested in finding out more about removal, head over to that episode. I think it was like two episodes ago. Yeah, two episodes yeah. ago, I think. Yeah. But generally, you want to be running one to five mass removal spells, so board wipes, mm-hmm. as they're commonly referred to, and then seven to ten roughly single target destruction spells or interaction spells.
0: Yeah. Uh, we won't go into much more detail on this one because we did a big deep dive on how you should choose your removal and how much removal to play. So definitely get back to that episode if you're interested. Uh, and the final category is one that uh, we don't see out there very often, but we think is really, really important, which is protection. Mm. Um, so these are spells that protect your game plan. Um, there's lots of different ways that things can fall into this category. Um, counter spells are a good example in the higher power levels of ways to stop this from ha- stop your opponents from yep. stopping you from winning. Um, but also Also spells like Sajiri, Shelter, Shelter blacksmith skill Um, blacksmith skill these sort of like little cantripy kind of effects that just say you know give a give a creature literally protection yeah (laughs) until end of turn
1: yeah also like you know maybe some things that say all of your creatures have indestructible that is also protection yeah i monument i think that's a good example yeah ways to protect your game plan so once you've tagged your list of your pre-constructed deck
0: oh sorry we should just say about five minimum of protection. yeah yeah,
1: about five at at least five but once you've tagged your pre-constructed deck think about those numbers has the deck got them yeah because i can guarantee you gavin verhey doesn't listen to our podcast (laughs) um or if he does sup hello Um, uh, but yeah i guarantee you that the the numbers will probably differ from ours and Mm. you know if you're following our template and you know thinking about efficiency and making sure it's you know the best chance to perform a good game of commander just have a look at those numbers tag Mm. them tag them check them.
0: I think um, from memory, having looked at a few of these before, uh, in general, Wizards are getting better at including ramp in their decks. Yes. Some of the card draw, some decks are lacking enough card draw and often have card draw that is not very synergistic with your deck. And I'm sure we're going to go into like how you sort of, dictate how strong cards are within your deck Um, but certainly your card draw should be really really synergized such that you pretty much always can draw cards with it
1: a hundred percent and something i did notice as well is wizards when they have like because they can't i think they run off a template themselves when they build a commander deck something i've noticed from playing quite a few pre-constructed decks at this point is if your commander has card drawer on it in the pre-constructed deck, mm-hmm. you are winning the game. Yeah, It just naturally makes your pre-con deck better than everyone else's because you have more options in your hand.
0: I know it's not technically a commander precon, but it's close enough. I vividly remember you stomping us in our early days of commander with your uh, I'll say Chulang, that's how everyone says it, but it's, it is it is we Hullan, yes, yeah. Uh, Hullan, Teller of Tales.
1: Oh my God, uh, that deck was stupid. I, I mean, built but, it terribly as well. It was yeah. actually a really bad deck, but just because I was drawing so many cards. And ramping. Yes. The card's yeah, insane. It does like Gross Spiral, it, it's insane. It says
0: whenever you cast a creature spell, um, you draw a card and you can put a land card from your hand onto the battlefield. It's insanely good. Yeah,
1: and so like it also recovers so quickly yeah as well and it's, it protects itself it it's bounces itself it's insane.
0: very hard to point to a legendary creature that's been printed since throne of eldraine that has both ramp and card draw mm. in the command zone and that's a good thing yes um those cards are way too yeah. strong and if gavin is listening <laughs> yeah, stop it gavin no gavin knows
1: no, I, I think that's a really good thing to point out. I think that, um, yeah, if your commander is like, if you can identify a really strong commander in a precon deck, mm. and you want a like a powerful precon, that's a reason to choose that. Commander yes, to upgrade.
0: Definitely. And speaking of, you should probably choose your commander around this point in the precon yeah, building process. True. Right?
1: Yeah, because even if you've chosen the precon, you've said it before, there's usually two, maybe three commanders to choose from in the deck. There's like a face commander, which is like the commander they print on the box, mm. but then there's usually like a backup one.
0: Sometimes the backup one is way stronger than the main one. Like I know um, from the Strixhaven commanders, there was like Zapphire. Thunder Conductor, I think it or was, or Collector, called. depending on oh, which line yes. of text you uh, read. That's yeah, that's right. That was that funny misprint. But yeah. um, that was like a sort of a big spells kind of matter deck. Mm. It's not bad, but it's like it's very it's it's not fantastic. It's it's, it's mid. It's mid. It's a mid deck. <laughs> um, but in the as the alternate face commander was um, um, Varun, Is it Varun, I, yeah. I think it is. Uh, which is the basically Magecraft. If you casting an internal sorcery. Or copying it would trigger something it triggers twice instead it's so now nutty. your Archmage meritus draws you two cards when you cast a spell it also has
1: prowess as well oh, it, which that's is right nuts. yeah so yeah. anything
0: with prowess is going to trigger twice too if it's source sorcerer that's triggering it yeah, yeah it's crazy i'll give
1: you another example actually from the new march of the machine commander decks that oh, i've been sure. kind of scrutinizing recently there's one of the decks which is called call for backup mm-hmm. the phase commander is bright palm soul awakener yeah so for one and a red and a green and a white, you get a legendary best creature type in the game, a fox shaman. Oh, <laughs> so cool! Um, it. It's got four, it's a four three, but it also has backup one. So, this is a new mechanic.
0: Oh, uh, this is the one where when it enters the battlefield, you can put a plus one counter on a creature you control. Yep, and if it's a creature other than the creature with backup, then the creature you give the counter to gains the abilities. Of that card until end of turn.
1: Correct. It doesn't have to not have backup. It can be like if another card has backup and it's entered. It basically gives whatever creature you put the plus one counter on. Yeah. It gives all the abilities below the backup.
0: Yes. But sorry, I was being specific because you have to put it on a creature that's not the creature with backup
1: itself no, you, I think you can actually put it on itself but it does it just gives itself a plus one counter in that situation Yes, sorry that's yes. what I'm saying yes.
0: if you, to get the backup you have to put the counter on something else Correct. otherwise things, crazy things would happen yeah basically.
1: getting but, double lines of rules text can yes, really make a judge hate
0: you and bend your
1: brain yeah yeah. but the other line of text which is the thing that you can give to another creature yep. if you so do if the backup
0: giving the counter to order it, to get this line of text
1: it says whenever this creature attacks double the number of plus one counters on target creature that creature can't be blocked by creatures with power 2 or less this turn. Whoa. It's pretty good. I like it's, that. That's it's fun. pretty strong. I also love the art on this card as well. It's like oh. really colourful and lots of like hands Looks very Kamigawa actually. Well, like They're
0: really pop colours and stuff.
1: Bright palms from Kamigawa. Oh, there, well, you there
0: you go. Oh, I'm too good.
1: you a lore expert on um, the Get Commander podcast. I'm
0: um, so clever. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but there is another commander option sure, in the precon so which I, is I think
0: face commander.
1: way better. Oh really? Ten times better. One green red and a white it's the same casting cast as Bright Palm Mm -hmm. you get Salai 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 and Hala. oh
0: this thing oh my god this This is one of the team up cards yes Yes. now this
1: is nuts so firstly it's Flying Vigilance 3-3 which is already a great rate for a four mana creature yeah absolutely but it has this is nuts whenever one or more plus one counters are put on a creature you control not even it a creature you control Shalai and Halal deal that much damage to target opponent. Yes.
0: The reason this is ringing a bell is I was on Twitter when this was spoiled and there were like five different threads of someone being like, oh, this guy's infinite. Oh, this guy's infinite. Oh, this guy's
1: infinite. Yeah. it Look, it can go <laughs> infinite pretty easily. Yeah. Like, I'm not going to outline all that. That's not what this episode's about. Yeah. But that commander screams... I am going to get you to a game win. Like, oh, I am yeah. telling you how on my card, I'm showing you how I'm going to win the game mm. and what you need to do to help me get there.
0: Yeah, you can literally build the rest of this deck as just plus one counters. Yep. And you're set. Like, yes. that's all you need. Your commander is your payoff and it's the only payoff you need. The rest of your deck can just be plus one counters, good stuff, you know, creatures with trample. Yeah. Uh, and you will win. Like, that's all you'll need.
1: I'm not going to lie. After looking at the previous Kinda of tempted to build this one Ooh, actually. I don't not have... Not colors that you typically play. No, so it's Naya, which is I only have one Naya deck, which is my Gishath Dinosaurs deck. Mm. And it's like, it's just big dinosaurs, but I haven't had a plus one counters build other than Zaxara, which is more of a big spells deck it's than plus one like counters. It's more like an
0: X spell deck than a plus one counters. A hundred percent. There's yeah.
1: no payoffs for doing plus one counters. Except
0: Terrible Secret Streams, I guess. But even then, that's the payoff for having big Hydras. Big creatures, yeah, for yeah, sure. Yeah. Like
1: I could, if I was having another big creatures deck, I could use like another trample effect or something like yeah, that. Yeah, maybe. But I don't have a plus one counters build anymore. Mm. So, I don't know, maybe I'll get this one. I like this it. This looks really cool. It and it's also different. direct damage too which is yeah, just sick i love very
0: that. very james as well for but,
1: sure look this, so once we've chosen our face commander mm-hmm. this is definitely going to give us the road to walk down to get us to what we need to do next which sure. is taking out crappy cards mm-hmm. and putting in good ones yep cool i'm excited forward to it. Should, uh, should we take a break before we do that i feel like sure. we've discussed a lot we should have... we take a thrifty interlude, interlude. yeah nice. let's do it
0: so we do have lots of stuff to cover obviously most of the bulk of the fun of uh building the precon is going to be taking out these bad cards putting in the new ones yeah but before we do that uh we'll hear a little something about a new thrifty card and as is tradition i will bring the card to life in monologue form james would you like to read the episode we'll
1: be featuring this week i definitely oh wow this is a really cool card Oh, yeah, nice. Awesome. Okay, so the card is a single blue instant called Abjure that says, and as an additional cost to this spell, sacrifice a blue permanent counter-target spell.
0: Ever wanted to say no to your enemies and simultaneously murder a loyal subordinate? It's not Stalin, it's Abjure. To abjure is to solemnly renounce, says Google, and I think playing this card is to solemnly renounce any and all friendship until the end of your days. Who needs friends when you're winning Commander games? A one-mana counterspell that James hasn't heard of? That's a thrifty guarantee. James, stop grinning. It's making me
1: uncomfortable. Get budgeted, 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 budgeted! Oh, man, I can't help grin when it's a one mana counterspell. <laughs> I it's... suppose they also
0: specifically called you out as well. Yeah, so dude, that... that,
1: that w- I Actually, in my yeah. head, because I've obviously read the text post version of yes. this that's released on Discord, yeah. but... I had it in my head that it was non-creature spell, but that's a, any spell. That's a really good card. It's
0: sick. I love it in my Arami deck, um, yes. which obviously is happy to sacrifice
1: creatures most of the time. In a Talran deck as well. Oh, God, Talrand it would be really good. So
0: you can catch uh, these in text form over on Discord every Thursday. It's called Thrifty Thursdays, the channel. Uh, you can also see me bring some of these to life in video form over on TikTok at G underscore Commander Community. Now let's get back to the topic at hand which was so we covered sort of pre-cons and how you might go about deciding how you want to build them how you're picking your commander all that kind of stuff so i think we were going to get straight into cutting cards yeah
1: and this is i think this is where the bulk of the episode here will sit because i think this is like really the 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 core of upgrading a pre-con is actually identifying the trash that is in most of these pre-cons.
0: We sort of already alluded to it yeah. in the form of the different themes that are present within the deck and yeah. how some of them will just not be very supported. Right?
1: Yeah. Well, I guess so step two being taking out the trash step two, subsection a is going to go down that theme route so we've talked about this before so when you've tagged your entire deck you'll find that there are probably a couple of sub themes so i've actually like I said, done my research for this episode and looked specifically at the new March of the Machine commander decks that have come out, um, just recently. Sure. Um, so for an example, let's do a bit of a case study and look specifically at the divine convocation deck.
0: I'm guessing from the word convocation, this is the convoke tribal. Deck. <laughs> yes, yeah.
1: you are hundred percent right. So straight at the top, I also wanted to point out that these March of the Machine commander decks have a lot of cards that do reference, Plane Chase to, um, uh, so like, the Plane cards. For yeah. example, there's a new Fractured Power Stone, which is, like, a two-mana rock that taps for colorless, but you can also tap it to roll the Planar Dice. Yes, yeah,
0: so this is only relevant if you're playing a game of Plane Chase Commander specifically. Um, if something instructs you to roll the Planar Die and you're playing regular Commander, nothing happens.
1: Yes, I think, weirdly, there might be a few rules changes the way you can introduce Planes to... I might Ooh, have to I check with a judge on that one. Know. Yeah. But, like, for example, Fractured Power Stone, you can just immediately take out of your Commander deck. Yes, yeah, if you're not planning on playing cut. plane Chase, then, yeah. yeah,
0: you don't need that card in the deck anymore. So,
1: there you go. There's a few easy cuts. But let's look at specifically the Divine Convocation deck, which, yeah, is the deck's... Uh, the, the deck strategy is casting big Convoke spells. What does
0: the Commander of that deck actually do?
1: It's real... So, it's Kalsa, I believe, the Broken Halo. Yeah. Um, I think that's how you pronounce their name. Sure. But, basically, it whenever you cast a spell with convoke you scry to and draw a card
0: oh okay How
1: sick! and we did say earlier that a commander that has card drawed staple to it is generally quite strong
0: yeah definitely i mean i think this is a good one especially for um like convoke it's, there's not that many cards with Convoke. So this is going to let you scry into more cards with Convoke, which is going to let you trigger your commander again and again. What's the actual color identity of Kaz? Uh,
1: I believe it is... Gr- no, Jeskai. It is Jeskai. Blue, red, uh, white. Blue, blue, red, white. And yeah. her casting cost is three blue, red, red white. So it's oh, quite so expensive. quite expensive, yeah. But, like, great effect to have on a Convoke commander. But basically, sure. the deck strategy will be... Flood the board with tokens mm-hmm. so you can cheat out big spells yes. and like overwhelm your opponents with that. And I guess then you've got a bit of a sub theme of having a lot of tokens mm, on the deck.
0: It's kind of a go go wide deck as a sub theme.
1: Yes, yeah. correct. But when I was tagging this deck, mm-hmm. a random sub theme cropped up, which has not a lot of support and definitely can't support itself in this deck. And it was ETBs and Flicker.
0: Oh right. So, yes. So a bunch of spells that let you like exile creatures return to the battlefield and then enter the battlefield effect. Yes. So like I How weird. I, I don't really like see how that would align with convoke. Or support
1: Convoke or yeah. support go wide. I, I guess don't...
0: there's like creatures that ETB and
1: make tokens. Which none exist in this deck. Oh <laughs> <laughs> There's there a couple might. there's a couple, but like for example, there's like one that has an X cost in it.
0: Oh, well, that's terrible to flicker. Yeah, because when it re-ETBs, it's zero. It sees X equal to zero. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, that's shocking.
1: So, look, I, I wanted to kind of go through a couple of the cards specifically in this deck that could be identified as an easy cut based on my analysis that this strategy doesn't fall into the Convoke Go Wide Right, so we're
0: we're condensing down our strategy until it's much simpler and much more direct. Like, we're going for this one main strategy. We might have a little bit of sub-theme happening, Mm -hmm. but, like, we're not doing two strategies here. It's just one main one with a little bit of sub-theme.
1: Exactly. So, let's look at this Flicker sub-theme that we're definitely cutting out of this deck. Sure. So, one of the first cards is Mist, uh, Mist Meadow, Vanisher. Yep. So, this, basically, when it taps, you exile a target non-land permanent and return it to the battlefield. So, this is the only card that I found in the deck that flickers a card.
0: Right, so this is the one that... Yeah, okay. I suppose this this does join the themes reasonably well, if the themes were good to join, which Mm. we're not so sure about. No, we're
1: not. So, like, this is really interesting, because, like I said before, there is a creature in the deck that ETBs and makes... A bunch of tokens, it's called Wildfire Awakener, but it has an X cost, and like we said before, when you flicker an X cost spell, when it re-UTBs, it's 0. X is equal to 0. So this is what we consider oh. a non-bow.
0: So the X cost is how many tokens you make. So yes. If you pay X equal to 3, you make 3 tokens. Correct. Oh, this is a shocking flicker target. Correct. Then. does actually nothing.
1: <laughs> so, you're out, you're yep. gone. Cut. Cut. Cutting that one. Uh, another card that propped up in this deck is Spirited Companions. So this Aww. is the cute little 1-1 doggo. The good
0: boy! the
1: second goodest boy yes, in, the, in the multiverse, in the multiverse.
0: So this is the one that for one and a, a white it's a 1-1 one, one, uh, I think he's like an elemental dog or something yeah a spirit he, dog maybe yeah when he ETBs draw a card yeah this is a lot of play in um pauper yeah. flicker decks actually because it is common printing but in I'd,
1: flicker decks <laughs> I've
0: never seen it in commander either given that like for three mana you could be playing Muldrifter drifter instead which
1: you can yeah you
0: could evoke and then flicker that way and that's drawing you two cards yeah. I Look, don't know that this makes the card, right? I'm not
1: saying Spirit of Companion is a bad card, because if you're running it in a flicker deck, this is great because it can draw you multiple cards. Yeah. But in this deck, it's you a sub would, theme. It's a sub theme, but you would also need for this card to be good, you would also need the Mist, Mist Meadow Vanisher right. to make this kind of yeah. good.
0: Yeah. So we, this is like sort of something we talked about before in our deck building, where like you kind of don't want cards that specifically rely on one other card in your deck yeah. to work. We want stuff that's in a with our commander or with our main strategy, not so much like sub-themes on sub-themes on sub-themes. If you're relying on having a way to flicker it and casting spirited companion, like that's so many hoops to jump through. Yeah, the way
1: I described it before is like, if you have to say, oh, this card is great if this and this when this yeah if you have to use those words it's probably not good it's probably just terrible so cut it so we're cutting spirited companion yep out of here out of here um so another card that propped up when i was looking at like etb kind of effects is a favorite of yours actually Mm -hmm. is sutra priests
0: oh i love this card this
1: is a sick card actually but for one and a white whenever a creature enters the battlefield under
0: your control gain a life whenever a creature enters the battlefield under an opponent's control you can have them lose a life
1: correct yeah cool it's really good and we've referred to this card in our aristocrats episode Mm. as a staple yeah um, we referred to it a couple of times in like etb effects so this is a cut right because it's like doing doing that
0: this is iffy right like it's, yeah it's kind of because we, we are going wide. Yeah. So it's not... Spe- like, yes, it would be better if we were flickering because we'd be able to, like, trigger again and again. But even if we just make a bunch of tokens with Such a
1: Priest, well, there's that's there's like, be good. Yeah, for, like, for example, the card that I referenced before, the creature that ETBs and makes a bunch of creature tokens, mm. that is a pretty good combo with this. And it's not just that one card. There is other cards in this deck that make a bunch of creatures immediately. So I would sure. actually call this card an enhancer in our deck. Right.
0: So we don't want too many of them, like we were saying earlier, but it can totally go in the deck.
1: Yeah. And look, to be honest, I looked at this card, I'm denied about it, but I decided to keep it in the list. Sure. I I reckon this is
0: the kind of one where if you could find a card that you just just wanted way more, you could cut this, but... Mm. Don't just cut it out of the box.
1: When well when we said our, our strategy is to flood the board with tokens mm. and then cast speed convote spells. So this does actually synergize with our main strategy.
0: That's true. So
1: yeah. Yeah, we'll, cool. We'll keep it.
0: Alright, keeping it.
1: Alright, another card that I looked at that has a really good ETB effect is Duragar Hedge Mage. Have you ever heard of this card? No. I am shocked that we didn't mention this in our removal episode just recently. Right. Really, really good Boros removal spell. Mm-hmm. Two and a red. It destroys a artifact when it ETBs if you have two mountains. And also destroys an enchantment if you have two planes. Whoa. It's also on a stick as well. So in a Flicker deck, you could Flicker it. You could reuse it. All that kind mm. of stuff. Now, this card is... I'm not going to say is bad because it's played... On EDA track. it's got quite a strong, you know, um, played-in-a-lot-of-decks thing. Sure. But... This has a clause of two mountains and two two planes. Yeah, I
0: don't know how often we're gonna hit that in a three colour deck. We're in deck. a
1: three colour deck.
0: And also I'm guessing just from like what I know of these colours that probably blue is gonna be our main colour in this Convoke Ooh,
1: deck. Oh yes. Yeah, Big so team.
0: actually having two planes and two mountains might be very tricky.
1: Yeah, the other thing is like the we're in a pre-con deck. We don't have many dual lands that are typed. No. Uh, the only types jewel land is ironically prairie stream, which is plains and islands, oh, so it doesn't so even it's count for not both. Not even
0: going to help. Yeah, that's interesting. I th- I think this is the kind of thing where like yes, it might have some upside, but not in this deck. And in this deck, we could be running Loran of the third path, which is yes. the new white reclamation sage, and that's always going to destroy an artifact or enchantment.
1: Yeah, and look, we're in white as well, so yeah. if we're looking we can at destroying, Disenchant, we yeah, can
0: play. Um, what was the four mana one? We just crush contraband. Crush contraband. Yep. Yeah, there's lots of good rates out there.
1: But I just think this is not worth it in a convoke deck. Look, no. it's a body that we can tap for convoke, but it's not making other bodies. It's not synergizing with flooding the board with bodies and cheating out big spells. And right? some of
0: the time, this is going to do nothing. Yeah, fact, 100%, a good chunk of the time. <laughs>
1: yeah. Um. Yeah. So my last card to to cut based on this assessment is sure. Cloud of Fairies. This is great in a Flicker deck. It ETB's and untaps two lands. Yep. Sure, like yeah, this. That's this, all it does. this does nothing for us. It is a two-two. It's like a two-one flyer that you can tap for Convoke, but it's one. But this, I don't need to explain no, this any further. It's, it's doing like
0: support. It's, it, not, it's not going there. It
1: does not. It does not pass. It's yeah. F. F yeah, grade. Sure. All right. So that's like one way we can assess based on themes. Mm-hmm. And already, how many cards was that? That was, that was like four.
0: five. Fine five. And we didn't cut yeah, one. Yeah. So that's so four, four gone already. Four gone
1: immediately. Right. Yeah. All right. So the next step is actually throwing back to another episode we did recently the Mana Curve episode oh yeah now you've heard the expression I like big butts and I cannot lie yeah <laughs> everyone gets down with that but this these Mana Curves are buddha right. they are so butt heavy Yeah. like and I'm saying when I say butt heavy I mean the high Mana Curve range
0: right so when we look at that curve at the bottom of the list it's not gonna be like stacked towards the bottom with like lots of cards down there yeah. and a few towards the top which is how if you look at me and James's decks most of our decks look like that well yeah it's gonna be the opposite I'm yes guessing. Yeah. well I
1: actually averaged across both of us we sit at 3.15 across all of our casual decks right so our casual decks sit closer to three do you want to know what the average pre, uh, pre-con from the march of the machine sits at
0: it's got to be like high three right like 3.6 or 3.3.8 Th-
1: 3.
0: 3.8 eight, 8. That is like... That is four. Round up. That's four. You've
1: got an average mana curve of four. Even
0: my decks that like cheat out spells have an average mana value lower than that.
1: Yes. And I actually, yeah, went back and looked at our research that you did for the mana curve episode. And yeah, we had like our exceptions to the rule of like having a low mana curve. Sat at like three point eight, and they were the exceptions to the rule. Right,
0: so these are ones that are cheating out costs,
1: correct, or like
0: reducing costs or that kind of thing. Yeah, right. Okay. So
1: these pre-cons like are just naturally going to be big and splashy, and I think there's a bit of a reason around this. I think wizards just get excited by new players experiencing big splashy game effects. Oh yeah,
0: like there's a reason they printed Zatolpa in like a million precaries. Yeah, like, that thing yeah, is huge. It's an eight drop, but it feels friggin' amazing. Just, <laughs> if you resolve Zatolpa, Double Strike or whatever the hell it is. It's yeah. kind
1: of insane. But I actually went a little bit deeper and I, I looked at the problem child from the march of the machines pre-cons mm-hmm. and to be honest it's the highest but it's definitely not throwing out like it's not making the average high everything else it's about like 3.6 3.7 yeah but the growing threat pre-con which is the um commander is Bremaz blight of oreskos i believe it's pronounced okay the average mana curve of that deck is 4.1
0: Oh, that's just ridiculous. That is
1: so hard. You're going to
0: spend way too much of the time either mulliganing into hands that you can't do anything with until turn four or five. Correct. Or um, drawing cards and doing the same thing. Like you starting your game, you know, casting a mana rock, casting a ramp spell or whatever, and then getting to turn four or five and going, wow, I guess I'm going to take the next two turns off casting anything.
1: And like, how bad does it feel when you cast a massive spell and someone's like, abjure? Yeah. <laughs> 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 okay, but like, okay, so we've talked about exceptions to the rules before, yes. like my Gishath deck cheats out big dinosaurs, so the mana curve is on the higher end, it sits closer to four, so maybe yep. Bremaz is one of those decks. So the what's the deck's strategy? The strategy of this deck is to actually cast big artifact of Phyrexian creatures, because when you do... Bremaz triggers and incubates X, where X is the mana value of the artifact or creature right. that's for X your so cast.
0: Incubate is this this thing where they make like it's kind of you can think of it like an egg, right? Like it's yeah, a token. That you can flip for two generic mana, and then yeah. it becomes an artifact creature that's a zero zero. So if you've got five plus one counters on it, if it's not a creature, it just sits there being an artifact and not doing anything. With
1: five plus one counters on yep. it. Yep.
0: But if you flip it into the other side, it becomes a zero zero with five plus one counters. It's a five five now.
1: Correct. So incubate is like a cool new mechanic that we've not really seen yet. We, no, n- we need to figure it it's out. It's really cool. It is. I think it's a lot of value. I think it can be really, really interesting. So on face value, when you're looking at this card from far away, you would look at this and go, oh, the bigger the X value, the bigger the mana cost of my Phyrexian creatures or artifact creatures, the bigger the value I get, right? Mm. The bigger the payoff. Yeah. If you look a little bit closer at this deck, you don't have to get too close. (laughs) You'll realize that. X doesn't need to be that big for this to be good.
0: I mean, I think it's the kind of thing where the difference between having a 5-5 five, five and having a 7-7 seven, seven is probably not large enough to justify how much harder it is to cast Correct, a 7-drop yeah. than a 5-drop.
1: It's interesting. I actually learned this from my Zaxara deck um, because right. Zaxara has a similar effect where when you cast a spell with X in its mana cost, you create a 0-0 zero, zero Hydra with that many plus-one counters on it. Yeah, I found that, honestly, casting a spell and getting a free- 5-5 five, five out of it, or even a free 3-3 three, three out of it, mm. is so good. Yeah. So good. Like, it will trigger, like, for example, a Garruk's Uprising and you draw mm. a card from it. So, it's just, like, the value you get is kind of insane. So, you don't need to go this big. Sure. So... Let's go to the bottom of the Moxfield page. Yep. Look, look at, at those the mana curve, Huge
0: mana drops. Yep.
1: And let's it analyze and see why we're running these cards. So sure. the one that jumped out at me immediately was Phyrexian Triniform. Mm
0: hmm. This is the nine mana, nine, nine. Yes. From Commander Legends that when it dies makes three golems. And then it has Encore for 12, I think. So yeah. you, you would make a copy that's attacking each of your opponents. And then when those die, you make a load of golems. Correct. It's, a lot of mana to pay, but a really cool upside.
1: Yeah. And when I looked at it, I was like, oh my God, that I might not cut this. Because casting it for 12 out of your graveyard, that's a big incubate. But then I actually looked at uh, the Encore mechanic...
0: An activated ability. It's not a cast. You're and not casting it.
1: breamaz cares specifically about casting right. your creatures, so battles. you'd have to
0: play it from hand to get the nine mana um benefit from it, and that's still so much to pay. And
1: also, again, you're incubating nine, so then you still have to pay two to transform the incubated. Oh yeah, thing. it seems like too much to
0: pay. It to is.
1: So like, I think that this is just an immediate cut. Encore yeah. is a cool ability. If you're doing something different, Fraxion Triniform can be a great card but not in this deck.
0: Sure, let's cut it. All
1: right, another spell that I found in the seven drop slot. Yeah, we're just like still miles high at this point. We're still in the huge end. So in the seven drop slot, I saw Media Golem.
0: Right, this is the one that ETB's and destroys an online permanent. Correct. That's a seven mana four four, I think.
1: Yes, and I, it's actually we've referenced this before as like a good colorless removal spell. Yeah, if, if you, if if you strategy, don't have access
0: to colors that can remove stuff. Yeah.
1: yeah, because it destroys permanent, it's like big boom. If you can flicker it, it's incredible. Yeah. However, Bremaz's color identity is white black.
0: Oh, yeah, that's inexcusable. White Black is, like, the best removal colours. Yes. Like, when we were talking about removal just a couple of weeks ago, we were like, oh, you know... If you're in White
1: Black, don't worry about
0: it. Yeah, <laughs> you you got just, so you've got so much options. You've got a million options. I think... Oh, that's... Yeah, that's not... You can't be doing that.
1: And I think Media Golem is one of those cards that, like, seems good because it synergizes with the deck, and we've spoken a lot about how if your removal synergizes with your deck, it's so good, it's so mm. good. But, like, does seven plus one counters on an Incubate really matter so much in this. No, deck.
0: not not in your removal slot. I don't think not it's, in a removal slot. It's you weren't worth your rem- compromising your removal yeah. to this extent just to get a 7-7. Seven, seven I would
1: deck. rather in the Bremaz deck have my removal be efficient and have my game-winning spells be big.
0: Yeah. Make, to save that 7-mana spell for your Mere battle sphere. 100%. No, that's going to be way which better. Yeah, yeah, I can believe that. Um, way better bang for your buck yeah. than removing one thing for 7-mana. yeah, for sure.
1: So, adios amigos, yep. get it out. Get, gone. Gone. Another card that I saw, which is a really, really cool effect, um, but definitely not for this deck, spoiler alert, is Scythe Claw. Have you ever seen this card? Is this one of those living weapons where yeah.
0: it etbs makes a zero zero germ which is a
1: weird creature type. <laughs> it is
0: weird and then attaches itself to that thing so you basically get the creature and then you can equip it to something else but the creature going to die straight away
1: yeah so this living weapon basically has an effect of when you hit a player with it they lose half their life total oh sick really cool effect and yeah. like can be really strong in certain strategies like my partner theo has a um oh, what's the commander's name Oh, I forgot the name. The 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 one that makes you lose half... Asterion. Asterion, that's yeah. the one. The vampire that you can gain as much life as you gain that turn or have someone lose as much life as they lost that turn. Yeah,
0: so if you have anything that halves someone's life total, this is a one- One-shot one kill. Win con. Yep. My partner
1: loves those cards. Yes, exactly, <laughs> so yeah. it's a really cool effect and it's like a really cool strategy, but... This is an artifact equipment on cast,
0: oh,
1: not it, a creature. It
0: makes a creature, but when it's cast for Brimas's purposes, you're not casting an artifact creature spell. Correct. So you're not going to make an incubate token. Yeah, that doesn't seem worth it. It's gone. Yeah, I, I no. think
1: it's just not worth it. It's a cool card, and look, buying the precon, keep that card in your back pocket. You've got the card when you build another deck. Yeah, you can put it in there. Yep, totally. Now, I saved the best till last.
0: Okay. Because like a
1: really good card, you mean? No, the, the single worst card oh. I've seen printed. <laughs> when I say best, I mean worst. the best worst card. The best worst card like of all time. The toilet award goes to <laughs> golden toilet. Um, so it's called First Sphere Gargantuan. Okay, uh, called Gargantua or okay. something like that.
0: Cool name. So that's Sick not where art the art too. The okay. art is
1: really cool too. Yeah. But this card is the single worst quote i'm not no i'm not calling it card draw not at all this card says when it etbs you draw a card and lose a life
0: okay that's not bad we've got creatures that do and it's that. a
1: phyrexian it's synergizes okay, right yeah, so yeah, sure yeah. there's bench creatures it costs six mana four black black what it's a five four it's not even on rate <laughs> it's not even a six six okay oh. look it has unearthed for two and a black
0: Right, okay.
1: It's still
0: shit. That's still so bad. (laughs) It's so bad. For reference, in Pauper, the format where you can only play commons, there's a mono-black list that plays Phyrexian Rager... Which is a three mana two two that ETBs you draw a card and lose a life. That's the rate at common.
1: So you could. So that's a Phyrexian creature as well, isn't it? Uh, I don't know. Actually. I think it might have been Rated Phyrexian Ranger sure. to be Phyrexian. Oh, probably. Yeah. You could just replace
0: it with that and still incubate for three. All right, we've done it. We've uh, we've we've broken
1: Pauper. Um, <laughs> oh my God, this card is so bad. It's awful.
0: I mean, if it's if it's not even pauper playable, what is it doing in a commander? It's so cons?
1: bad. That's like terrible. no one would even consider this for pauper. Yeah, that's shocking. Six mana, and also like there is like eight five drops in this deck, and like six six drops. This doesn't need to be one of them. What? Like if you are spending six mana. I want to be doing more than losing a life yeah. and drawing a card. Also, is, Under-
0: is another activated ability. So Yes, even, it doesn't
1: cast trigger. No, it's-
0: so you, you're... Okay, no. 100% cut that card. Some of those other ones we mentioned, you could be maybe on... Like Phyrexian, um, Triniform I love that card. Maybe keep that... Absolutely, you're not keeping First Sphere. No. Games, that is terrible.
1: Absolutely horrific. Right. So look... There are so many problems with Wizards' construction of pre-constructed sure. decks, but I think their biggest one that they need to learn it's from... It's the mana curve. It's the mana curve. Yeah. It's so bad. You've got to
0: bring it down. It it, it should be like 3.5 maximum for your mana curve, and ideally getting your mana curve down around 3.3 or 3.2 is going to make your gameplay experience
1: so much better. You're actually going to do things.
0: Yeah, make most of your spells... like. Between one and four, yeah, and preferably three or less. Um, yeah, five or more make it really minimal, and definitely like six and seven drops. Most of my decks have like two or three of them these days, and yeah. they play great. You just always have something to do with your mana, you're always drawing cards. Yeah, definitely. You can usually cast
1: multiple spells, like it just yeah, makes sense. Sure, okay. So, the last thing that we're going to look at to cut from the deck, sure, very quickly, just wanted to mention is the essentials. The count of essentials. Right.
0: So if we've got like an overrepresentation in any of these categories. So like correct. We, we want our fifteen bits of card draw, but we've got like twenty-five bits of card draw.
1: Which would be insane for a pre-constructed deck. But yeah. you get what I'm saying. Yeah. It's, I think if you look at your count of your essentials, which again are ramp, card draw, removal, and protection. Mm-hmm. If you can kind of justify... For example, in the Convoke deck, if we're flooding the board with creatures, Mm. we don't want to be running four board wipes of creatures.
0: No, that's true. So Mostly we want target removal in that that case, right? 100%. Board wipes are going to be really detrimental to our value unless we're way behind, in which case we might want to do it. So, yeah, this is like... Again, refer to that removal episode, but this is a sort of deck where you'd probably run two, maybe even one board wipe in a deck like that.
1: Because, yeah, you're protecting your your own life total by your chump blockers you've got like yeah, yeah
0: and be, be higher on protection spells too
1: for sure you got to protect that board spate, state mm. so cut all the trash yep do you feel good now yeah. taking all the crap get out of our commander get friggin
0: dates. first sphere gargantua and and put it on the wall and say
1: and throw it darts at it every yeah evening. okay <laughs> yeah Oh, I've got a DARPA. I'm going to do that. Yeah. Um, I'm We're going go- down, First Spear Gargantua. I'm We're going, going down. I'm going to the March of the Machine pre-release on Sunday. And killing
0: First Spear Gargantua. If I
1: draft First Spear Gargantua and I'm tearing it up. Like, watch <laughs> me tear it up. Uh,
0: oh in the God. store,
1: in front of That's the mono-black Phyrexia player.
0: The first uh, flip it and rip it I can endorse. Yeah, um,
1: 100%, So bad. <laughs> okay, so now is step three... Adding our own spice to this deck, putting cards in.
0: Hell yeah. We've got the space now. We've cut all that crap. (laughs) We've got probably, you know, five to 15 slots available in our deck. Yeah. We're going to bring that curve down. Correct. Yeah, get our set our strategies happening. Now,
1: cool. so this is probably the funnest bit, but also challenging because you're just going to be overwhelmed with choice. So I wanted to shout out a couple of resources before we kind of talk about some specifics and details that you can use to help guide you on your choices. So sure. first stop I would go to is actually YouTube because every single... Content creator, other than us at this point, um, (laughs) is doing upgrade videos on the pre-constructed decks that are coming out.
0: Well, and spoiler, the reason that we are not making pre-con upgrade videos is because everyone else is making pre-con upgrade videos, which is why we're making this catch-all guide here.
1: And look, not to say we won't do it in the future, who knows, but but,
0: like... But there are so many out there. Command Zone do them, Nitpicking Nerds do really good upgrade videos. Jumbo
1: Commander does them. Yeah,
0: there's so many out there. Literally, if you typed in your specific pre-con, if you went buckle up pre-con upgrade on YouTube, there would be minimum, like hundred videos out there oh, easily, and probably f- at least five to ten of those are fantastic like yeah. really well put together very considered very good card and video. a lot of them
1: in the video title as well will say $25 upgrade video yeah $50 upgrade video yeah. something like that definitely so YouTube videos one stop is definitely where I would be going for that just sure. to, as a catch-all Agreed. the next are our usual favorite places to go for building decks so yep. that's EDH rec Moxfield, and scryfall sure so EDH rec is going to be the database of analyzing all the decks that exist and give you a breakdown of what cards people are running in that commander.
0: This is probably the best spot to look on the EDH rec pages for upgrading a pre-con is probably going to be um, the... Well, basically, all of it that's not cards already in the pre-con, right? Yeah, 100%. Um, if it's a new pre-con that's just been released, there's a, a feature at the top that says new cards. That's yes. going to be probably your go-to because those are going to be cards that people have specifically put in i think I, oh actually no, just released so no that, there, that are, a couple, that works there well, are a couple
1: yeah. of examples though where like cards that aren't in the pre-con but are in the new set could synergize with your deck
0: that's true so you could check yeah. there for that but yeah mostly you're, the um, EDH rec pulls cards card images from the most recent printings of those cards yeah. so when you look at your cards in your pre-con deck mm-hmm. they, they're going to have the, the symbol, symbol yeah. for that pre-con so if you're looking at the cards on EDH rec just skip all the ones that have that symbol because you know they're already in the deck yep. and look for the ones that are not that simple and those are going to be the cards and, that people are adding a lot to honestly
1: their when I was upgrading these pre-cons from March of the machine i just like when i was scrolling past i was like oh that's a double master set symbol what's this cut oh oh that's good yeah. like that's how i kind of found the the cards that i'll talk about in a second but sure. other other than that you've got moxfield as well so you could just look up the pre-constructed decks that other people have upgraded yep just like you're doing in your own moxfield list there are going to be other people out there that are doing the exact same thing have a look at their list mm. see what they've put in the last one is Scryfall. now i am just going to Poke you and let you <laughs> give a little bit of an explanation. I'd like you to explain because I know that you recently put a lot of effort into learning the syntax mm. for the like search engine on Scryfall. Yep. But you are the king of the undeniable king of finding weird cards that no one's heard of before mm. that may be really cheap as well because you're so good at using this Scryfall search engine.
0: Oh, well, thank you. Um, <laughs> I'll happily get on my soapbox once again about Scryfall syntax. Two episodes in a row. <laughs> it's amazing. It's amazing. It's so good. Um, so, the main ones you're going to want to learn, by the way, I'll go into the syntax a little bit, but the you can do everything I'm outlining here by just going to the advanced search feature which is what available. I use. I'm yeah. a bit
1: of a novice I use the advanced search. So <laughs> pretty
0: much everything that's in the advanced search you can specifically do with syntax instead and you can get to slightly more in-depth ways of looking for stuff by using syntax but advanced search works great for all of this. You can set your commander's color identity you can search with particular mana value um, USD card price restrictions that kind of thing but let's say I was searching for cards for my convoke deck. Sure. Um, Probably the first search I I would do. So it's a Jess Guy deck, right? So my search term would look something like uh legal colon EDH. So legal and commander. Legal and commander. That's very important. Uh then I would go CI, which is commander identity or color identity. Limiting
1: the cards that we can only play in this deck.
0: Yep, and I would so I go CI colon uh, and you can use like the the um letter codes we use, so blue So we would go um, blue. Uh, white, red, so it would be U-W-R yep. as our restrictions here. And then, to be honest, my first search would probably just be O. This searches the oracle text. So the I. body e- text on the card. Yeah, the yeah. rules text on the card. O colon Convoke.
1: And just see all the cards that have Convoke that are legal to play.
0: Yes. If you want to be very sneaky as well, because you've just bought the pre-con, there's going to be a bunch of those cards already printed in there.
1: Ooh, you could go
0: minus set the word set colon and then type in the code for the precons you've just bought. So Mother of Machines precons is probably like MMC or something like yeah. that. It's normally like the code and then commander so you can like even MM take commander.
1: out MOM, um, which is March of the Machines, mom. You could just yeah, you, you just you not research the set already, already. Yeah. So you can look at like you know all the cards printed in double masters that have Convoke, yeah, and see all of these wacky cards that existed before this set.
0: Yeah. So basically, the minus can reverse any feature. So normally, you could search within a set by going set and then the code, but you can go minus set the precon, and now in that search. So we get the legal EDH CI blue white red. um, Oracle text says Convoke, and we're not wanting any cards printed from the most recent set. This is going to show us every single card that has the word Convoke on it that was not printed in that pre-con and is legal in our Commander deck. That's amazing. As a perfect start of like, okay, what Convoke cards am I missing?
1: It honestly makes me shiver when I've watched you do this before for my deck specifically, and I have just like been so overwhelmed with just how much I've been missing from just looking on EDH Rec. Like, because EDH Rec will show you the top cards that people Mm. are using. So if you want to be a sheep and you just want to, (laughs) like, follow the herd. (laughs) Wow, called out.
0: EDH Rec is great It is great.
1: But, like, I'm saying that this is a a way to get next level stuff.
0: For sure. I will say EDH Rec has definitely a tendency towards recently printed cards because those Mm. are the cards that are just already in people's minds. And people
1: are looking at them and experimenting with them. Yeah, and they've
0: played them in standard. They've played them in other formats and stuff. They're familiar with them. So... Scryfall is especially good for searching for cards that are a bit older. Yep. Especially if you're looking to buy some singles to, for your deck.
1: And if you're looking at budget, putting that budget restriction on. Oh, yeah.
0: I, I love the USD. So, you type in the letters USD and then I usually go less than five, like the less than symbol and then five. And so then, good. yep, no cards over, over the price of five US dollars, which is great.
1: Well after thank you for running through that That, I think that's a good soapbox to stand on I'm I'm actually supporting you on that one not trying to kick you off at this time beautiful but I did exactly this Sure. and looked at the specific decks we've looked at in this episode the convoke deck and the incubate deck I looked at cards to upgrade and specifically looked at some cards to replace the cards I took out sure I think this is important especially when you take out like a removal spell you might need a removal spell to to sub into that spot to rebump it so for example in the convoke deck that Durigar hedge mage that I took out
0: this is the one that checked about planes and mountains and, and destroyed stuff. target yeah, artifact
1: or enchantment didn't
0: like that one yeah
1: i went into scryfall i did all of the legality stuff and then looked in oracle text of destroy target And then like create bodies. Like I kind of create tokens
0: or token copies
1: like tokens of. And I found release the gremlins.
0: Oh, this is the XX red spell, I think, that says destroy up to X target artifacts, create that many 1-1 gremlins, I
1: think. Two two gremlins. Two two gremlins.
0: That's fun. It's pretty
1: strong. And also, like, this does synergize with our deck. It's destroying, it's a removal spell, but it is, like I said before, it is flooding the board with tokens Mm. to help us cast Convoke spells. Definitely. Sick. So another convoke deck example um transcendent message this is crazy that it wasn't included because this is from march yeah. of the machines yeah
0: Are, they always <laughs> do at least one card like this this reminds me of what we talked about before about the retreat Felidar retreat not being in the naya landfall deck i'm guessing some amount of this is intentional so that people will then go buy packs and go oh i can put this in my new precon yep. like, i think that's stupid cuz transcendent message this is blue 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 and x, x. But it has Convoke, and it says Draw X cards.
1: It is so good.
0: It's an instant speed card draw spell. If you have like a million yeah. creatures... By the way, with Convoke, if you have blue creatures... They, they can, can tap
1: for the colored aspect of that mana too. They can too. pay for yep. the
0: blue. So you could have no mana open whatsoever. But if you have four blue creatures and then like five others, you could draw five cards at instant speed with no mana spent at all.
1: Yeah, I'm going to probably put this in my Zaxara deck. Yep. I imagine people are going to put this in Talrand. This is 1 million percent going in my Kaza deck. In your Wizards deck or God. My deck yeah oh yeah, my because I can
0: reduce that x cost as well yeah
1: it's a really really good card and all the wizards are blue as yes well. all like... the
0: wizards are blue yeah so definitely should go in this
1: convoke deck as yeah. well it's a really good spell in general and it has convoke and I found that on EDH rec like just went onto the EDH rec yep. page it was like one of the first cards that came up as it should be and there was another card that I wanted to put in the convoke deck because part of our game plan is flooding the board with tokens I realized that there is a really cool win con condition like a win condition that we can get to where instead of cheating out big Convoke spells and winning by value that way, we can just overwhelm our opponents with the tokens we created.
0: Oh, yeah, totally. We, we, we said before, we're going wide already. Yeah. So, like, having usual go wide finishes is probably going to be a good strat for us, right? So,
1: in Jeskai, a Chroma's Will is uh. like the best. And this also serves as a protection spell as well. Yes. um This is
0: the one that's the four mana instant for three in a white. And you can choose, like, either of these two slabs of text. Yes. If you have your commander, you can choose both. One of the slabs is super defensive. It's like creatures you control gain, like, protection from all colours, indestructible, and hexproof. Yeah. And I think the other one just adds a million keywords. It's like they gain lifelink, double strike, and vigilance. And flying or something. something. It's it's kind of ridiculous. It's a a stupid number of things you get, especially with your commander when you have them all. But,
1: like, you go release the gremlins for, like, X equals 10 or, like, X equals 6 or something. Yeah. Next turn, a chrome as well. Gain yeah. a ton of life, like blood Probably, probably out. kill someone. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. So, easily three cards to chuck in our deck. Let's yep. look at the incubate deck, the one that cares about Phyrexians and, sure. and all that kind of stuff throne of geth was something i saw that was really cool
0: i've been inspired by seeing this deck in your weird charge counters list yeah, recently. this is good this is yeah. the one that sacrifices an artifact to proliferate yeah um i'm 100% gonna put this in my golem tribal deck i can't believe i missed it before yeah how did you miss that? i have no idea it's so so good in specifically that deck um but yeah you sacrifice an artifact you tap it sacrifice an artifact yeah proliferate
1: um, so you could yeah. sacrifice the little incubated eggs that kind of are sat there maybe with two plus one counters on them and are yep. not worth flipping to proliferate all your big Phyrexian dudes that you already have.
0: Yeah, or even other eggs that you have that you haven't transformed yet, and then when you transform them, they'll be even bigger. Yeah,
1: and on the flip side as well, Bremaz has a second ability that says if a Phyrexian or Artifact creature died this turn, you draw a card at the end step or something along oh, those lines. So you can guarantee... them is great then. You can guarantee a card draw, which is really nice. Yeah,
0: cool. Good another
1: on. another card that I thought was just so good from Brothers War recently mm-hmm. is Phyrexian Gorger. Is this the
0: one that has Prototype? where you can cast it either for one black black or for seven. Is it this one? Yeah.
1: Now, I had to check with a judge on this one because I wasn't entirely sure with prototype, but it works the way I wanted it to work in this scenario. When you cast it for its prototype cost, Mm -hmm. Breemaz, because this is a Phyrexian artifact creature token, so it triggers Breemaz. Prototype is an alternative casting cost, so it does cast. If you cast it for prototype, it reads... Three mana. So this is great in the early game. Yeah. Because it's a three mana thing that gets on the board. It has like lifelink and ward as well. It I protects it's like itself.
0: think it's menace, lifelink, and the ward is paying Discard. life equal to its power. Yes. So if it's the seven mana costed thing, I think it's a six six. So yeah. you have to, the ward is, so counter the spell if it's targeting it, unless it's a
1: controller pays six life. And I think it's a prototype power toughness is like 3-3 or something like that. It's a great rate either way. But this is so good in our deck because it's great in the early game. And good in the late game. If we then want to cast it for a big splashy spell late game to make a big incubate token, we can do that. But if we have it in our hand early game, it's not a dead card.
0: No, this is the kind of thing that you can... um, I've talked about this before, but you can edit the mana cost of spells on Moxfield. It helps a lot with laying out your mana curve in a way that's actually accurate. This is the kind of spell I would probably edit the mana cost because the mana cost is going to be listed as seven. I would edit it and change it to three because really when it needs to be, that is a three drop spell so um, I think it's totally reasonable to list this card as a three drops spell mm. so that it your curve is accurate to what you're actually doing with the deck
1: um, I know that when when I looked at this deck it was weirdly especially for white black it was lacking in removal spells oh so anguished on making just play um, that yeah we
0: talked about this a couple of episodes ago it's like one of the yeah. best removal spells it gets rid of pretty much anything exiles it as well yeah. it gets around indestructible things it's, yeah.
1: it's like you're running Mortify in the deck as well but like this compared to Media Golem that we talked about oh, yeah.
0: this is just, just better so much better of a rate in every way for sure
1: Um, if you are thinking about leaning into the more tribal aspect of this deck and not doing artifacts and just going like full Phyrexia
0: probably gonna end up in some toxic or infect space you honestly, definitely could with that kind of thing
1: Icarats as well you could run that give everyone poison Um, the card I'm thinking of though if you really want to go full tribal on this you could run Patriarch's Bidding
0: oh this card is so good this is the like five mana sorcery each player chooses a creature type and returns all creatures of the chosen type from their graveyard to the battlefield yeah so, yeah, like you see this a lot in vampire tribal lists because they can sack all their vampires, drain the table a bunch and then just like patriarchs bidding get all the vampires back. But yeah, you can do the same thing with Phyrexians here, right?
1: Yeah, and I think it's really gross to think about Phyrexians coming back from the graveyard yeah. and, like, in their glistening oil and like creeping onto the battlefield.
0: You can imagine that the Patriarch here is Yorgmoth. Oh, and yeah. And then it works
1: perfectly from a flavor perspective I love that. as well. <laughs> get an altar of patriarchs bidding for this deck yeah. in Yorgmoth style. Do it. So look, there's a couple of examples and I found most of those on Scribe. EDH wreck. Um, I even found some upgraded lists on Moxfield. It didn't take me that long to find these at all. Yeah. And if I was to look at it for a little bit longer, I bet I could find it. But this is going to be hard for us to give like generic advice on because it's going to be so specific to each deck. Yeah. So what I kind of want to give advice on is actually remembering what's really important here, and it's the means of your deck. This is the, what
0: we asked you at the beginning of the episode. Correct.
1: So how powerful do you want this deck to be? What's the budget? What's the focus of the deck? And this is really important. You can actually accidentally get too excited and accidentally start running three sub themes again
0: especially when you start adding cards you might go like oh this card would be good if i also did this kind of thing with my deck and also this kind of thing with my deck and um you're gonna find out when you end up play testing that deck oh actually most of the time i don't end up doing anything
1: yeah and look a bit of an a last note as well to think about Reference our mana curve episode, but keep the mana curve in your mind as well when you're including cards. You can get excited by those big ten drops again and
0: Yeah. Especially with pre-cons, the curve is high enough. you, you definitely need to bring it down. Yeah, bring it down, bring it down, bring it down.
1: Alright, well the last step, I guess, to this whole deck building episode is sleeve it up and actually play test the thing. Mm. Get out in this store. I guarantee, especially if you're building a new if you're upgrading a new pre-con, there's going to be other people in your game store building the exact same one. So see what they've done. Share yeah. your ideas. Does it work the way you wanted it to? Is the sub theme actually stronger as the main theme? Mm. Is, like have you seen those effects work? better at your play group, um, just tinker with it.
0: Yeah. I Something I will probably be mentioning in a future episode uh, requires a lot more depth to go into, but something I've started doing is actually taking notes in my phone Ooh. of cards in my decks that are not performing very well. Um, Just because I think when it comes to upgrading our decks, including Precons, sometimes it's hard to remember our actual gameplay experiences with particular cards. So having notes and just going like, even if you just note one time like, oh, this, you know, Media Golem was not so good in my deck right now um it that's like as a one-off that's great but yeah. if you keep notes over a few different games and then go wow the three times i've cast media golem i wish i could have cast something else mm. that's a really good clue that it's time to cut that card and yeah after your play testing you might find even more cards to cut
1: yeah i i'm gonna call this list in my phone the first fear gargantua list <laughs> <laughs> in honor of the boy with darts in him god i hate that card <laughs> um so but look Okay, I think we're pretty much done here with this episode, but I do want to call out something that I've left out of this episode, and it's kind of purposefully left out. It's the mana base. Mm. So I did kind of omit this from this episode purely on the basis of, one, it's not very exciting to talk about, and we've talked about lands a lot before. You can listen to our deck building episode to look about it. You can talk about the order episode to look about how you play them. It's also really expensive, Upgrading lands can be really, really expensive. Shock lands are like $20 a piece. Mm. Mo- all of these pre-cons are like two or three color. You're going to need to upgrade them. Triomes are expensive. Yeah, It's it's going to be hard. So if you're trying to keep to a budget, I'd, I'd say the, the land base. And look, I had a look at all four of the pre-cons from March of the Machine. They're not that bad. They're serviceable mana bases. They're definitely
0: getting better at this. They used to include a bunch of the life gain tap lands and those sorts of tap lands that do just absolutely nothing for you, which they're thankfully... Playing a lot less, which is great. They're playing more... Even Scrylands, as we've said before, we, we prefer over that. Um, Myriad
1: Landscapes in there now pretty commonly. That's good. And stuff like that. They're also
0: playing a few more of the basic check tap lands, which are really yep. good. You mentioned Prairie Stream. Yep. I'm actually glad they see playing play in, basic ma- in um, Precon mana bases because they're the best mana bases for them. Because you're playing yep. so many basic lands. Um, yeah, there's, there's lots of better, better mana bases out there. And
1: look, you can go and have a look at our episode on, um, building your deck in the first episode. I think we talked, oh no, maybe it was the third episode. I think the third episode land. we talked about lands. Yeah, yeah. So go check that out. But there was one tip that I wanted to kind of leave on for the mana base specifically with upgrading pre-cons, especially in three color decks. There is a section at the bottom of Moxfield, just near your mana curve, um, section. Just below the mana curve, just, I think. Yeah, yeah. Just below. And it shows you the... The thing that I want you to look at specifically is the color pip to mana production ratio. Mm. So, how many pips, the color devotion icons, the little water droplet for blue in your deck appear versus red versus green, yes. for example. So, a good example of this I found is the Tinker Time precon from the New March of the Machines. Mm-hmm. I found out that 49% of the deck's color pips are blue, 32% are red, and 14% green. So, half of the deck is blue. Wow. Half of it. Yeah. Yet, the mana production was exactly even so 45% of mana production produces blue 45% of it produces red and 45% green
0: that's not gonna be ideal we're gonna be drawing a lot of yeah. lands that are producing green when actually we need lands to produce blue and I
1: looked at the spells in this deck as well and the reason why blue is so overrepresented is because there's spells that are like three blue 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 oh that's, and it's like you, you're just
0: never gonna be able to cast those no spells. or you'll
1: cast one of those spells and then not be able to cast any of the other spells in your hand because you ran out of blue. Yeah,
0: that's also like, not something that we're gonna want to happen. From from my experience, by the way, tinkering with this because you should tinker with this to make it more reflective of the mm. um of the pips that are in your deck. Um, I've found that most of the time, if you can get the production of the mana about ten percent higher than the pip requirement. Because basically, by the way, the reason the percentages don't add up is because you're going to have a bunch of lands that produce multiple colors. So yep. in the case of this this breakdown, which was 49% blue, 32% red, 14% green, as a general rule, try and get each of those colors about 10% over. All of them should be mm. over the amount that you need of them, but they sh- they need to be like sort of five to 10% over. So I'd be looking at my you know my deck having a production of blue of about sort of 55 to 60%. 42% red And like 24% green
1: That's totally reasonable And
0: that way You'll you make sure You're going to be able to Cast the spells You really need to cast And you should As we talked about In the Mana Cave episode Keep in mind The colour of your Crucial early, early spells. spells Yeah, yeah. Like so if
1: it... you're running A basic land ramp Package in green mm. Yeah Maybe you do want to Make sure that you have A representation of green there Because yeah. you want to be able To cast your ramp and growth And that then Subsequently fixes The blue You know yes. It'll get you a basic island Yep, yep. So yeah that's all I wanted to say on mana base. Sure. Because boring. Yeah. Um, but pre-constructed decks are a fantastic way to begin learning the fine art of deck building. It can also be a great way to experience the new mechanics from most recent set and experiment with their viability and commander in the long run. By following a few simple steps, assessing what you're working with, taking out the trash and adding your own little spicy cards, remembering the basics and of course a splash of TLC, a pre-constructed deck can quickly become a favourite deck at your commander play group. So, Space, Space Commanders, Command, Command Received! Command received. Good. That's not good. Yeah, this is a catch-all episode.
0: Yeah. Definitely. I I feel like it'll it'll be good for our newer players, good for our more experienced players. There's something in it for everybody. So, to the listeners out there, uh, do you own any uh, pre-cons? Are you looking at any that you're going to buy soon? Uh, and how upgraded are you going to take them? I want to know yeah. are you're going to do like a super, you know, expensive, optimized upgrade, or are you looking at a $50 budget, $20 yeah. budget? And definitely post some deck lists in the Discord server yeah. as well.
1: And yeah, 100% post in the Discord server. And for our CDH listeners, I'm curious, are any of these commanders CDH viable? Yeah. I'm very curious. But um, if you want to talk to us, you can, of course, get in contact with us on our Discord server. Um, that's the best place to do it. But you can also email us. You can tweet us on Twitter. You can do all of that stuff. All the good stuff. Um, and if you're looking at supporting our content, please don't forget to check out our Patreon. Um, we've just refreshed it, as we said. There's some really cool stuff. There's some brand new tiers. Um, there's some really cool benefits like suggesting episodes. We can upgrade your decks. Yeah. We can play with you monthly. And we'd very much like to personally thank Fletcher Cutting for supporting us in the top tier of Space Commander. Fletch, you're the best.
0: Yeah, it's true. We'd also like to thank again palms off gaming for sponsoring this podcast they make some really fantastic deck boxes sleeves binders gaming accessories Um, we use a bunch of their products and we really highly recommend them and they're based here in melbourne so if you're a melbourne-based listener or australian-based listener you'll be supporting a local business and that's a really good thing to do for many many different reasons Uh, you can check them out at palmsoffgaming.com.au
1: Good episode. Right, let's planeswalk out of here. I do believe
0: it is your week to planeswalk. It is indeed. What's going
1: on in the world of Walt?
0: I would like to planeswalk into my house.
1: We're, we're in your house. Yes,
0: sorry. <laughs> uh, the context being that um, my partner is actually moving in Ooh, to this house. yeah It's very exciting. Yeah. I am, unfortunately, um, saying goodbye to Cooper, who you, some of you may remember from a few episodes back. He featured on here I'm saying goodbye in
1: terms of living with
0: him. Obviously, still going to be friends with him, still playing magic with him and all that kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, my partner's going to be moving in here. That's so, so exciting. Yeah. Lots. I
1: I love Electra. I think Electra will be an incredible person to live with. I have lived with Electra yes. basically in the past. Yeah. Um,
0: in the same house that me and James lived yeah. together, my partner was basically staying with us at the time as well. Yeah, so, yeah. definitely a
1: roommate at that point, yeah, 100%.
0: Yeah. We know each other, all of us know each other very, very well. But yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. We actually just the other day, um, bought a TV, together it's I the first thing we've it. like pulled together to buy actually that's not true. we also bought a switch recently
1: also a good purchase yeah, <laughs> yeah.
0: it's it's we're really looking forward to like playing, getting breath of the wild yeah, yeah. playing breath of the wild we're, we're definitely gonna be playing some mario kart um we're looking at bit, getting super mario odyssey because i found out you can actually play that two player yeah it's that game m- looks really fun one of you's cappy the, yeah it's really cool it'll be it'll be definitely playing rock paper scissors to work out who gets <laughs> to be mario and who gets to be cappy but um yeah no i'm i'm super stoked with like just now, probably in the next week or so Cooper's going to start moving his stuff out and then I'm going to move all my stuff in. There's a bunch of other things happening including that theatre project that I'm working on so it's a bit of a stressful time but I'm like mostly just so excited to um, yeah to have a lecture living with me where we can do our goofy stuff and you know even we, we sort of have plans of like being in a having a shared study where yeah. you know I might be editing this podcast or writing podcast episodes or doing other magical related stuff and she'll be on the other side of the room you know doing amazing illustrations or writing or whatever making we'll, you a new token yeah probably <laughs> but we'll be in the same space you know yeah, so we I, can still be around each other and with each other even when we're doing our own thing I wish
1: you both the best me and Theo have a shared like we call it the den um, yep. it's like our office and gaming room it's a really
0: stuff. lovely space there
1: it's too. I I love it and I actually think I now that you two are living together it's just gonna be me you and Theo and Electra and it's just gonna be awesome we're gonna have some great Mario Kart sessions <laughs> that's some true sick movie nights yeah I'm looking forward to this especially be on good. the
0: on the new TV it's, gonna be it's, fancy. it's a good TV it's, it's very pretty we splurged a little bit not a lot but like
1: oh you splurged we. this is a good for, it's, for it's the budget boy this was a splurge it's true
0: it was hard to look at my my bank balance after that and go oh my <laughs>
1: god what right. am I done? No more $5 and up for cards for you. No.
0: <laughs> Back on the budget I go.
1: Alright, Commander players. That's it from us this week. We'll catch you in the next episode.